My name's Brandon Staub. And I'm Brad O'Connell. Welcome to In Dispute Podcast, where we discuss hot-button issues in the Christian church. We're learning to listen to the Bible instead of our emotions, and we invite you to learn with us. Our hope is that these raw conversations would help lead us to truth and bring us closer to the mind and heart of God. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on In Dispute Podcast. Our topic of discussion today is Christians and alcohol. Today, we have a special guest joining the conversation. He is a pastor at Intersection Church in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. His name is Austin Pritchard. Austin, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me, guys. Austin, you have quite a testimony regarding this topic of alcohol. Uh, That's why I wanted to invite you to jump in on this conversation with us today. If you could share some of your testimony right off the bat, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I, I, I grew up in a Christian home, like my dad's a pastor to this day. And uh, it was, uh, we didn't drink growing up and uh, going through that. So I grew up in the church. And then when I hit about 21, I uh, joined the military and uh, did 12 years on active duty. And in that time frame, I got on my, uh, you know, on your own and kind of figuring out your own faith outside of the context of your family and the people who know you, kind of those um, guiding influences that can keep you in check. And then when you get out on your own, uh, sometimes you can get that uh, freedom to kind of make your own choices, figure things out. And so I started doing that, hanging out with some friends and, uh, I drank, and I can't say I didn't drink before I was in the military. You know, I grew up, my grandpa made uh, wine in the bathtub from his figs and persimmon trees, but, you know, like one of those crazy families, but um, we didn't really have it in my parents' house growing up. They didn't, they haven't drank uh, since their conversions when they were teenagers and in their twenties. But so I, I, you know, I had a glass of wine here or there as a teenager and a little bit, but it really started when I was in the military and doing that and that lifestyle and culture. Um, I grabbed hold of that over kind of my personal convictions and faith. Um, let those subside. Um, and then in that time when I was uh, 27, I wound up getting married and, uh, throughout that, like that's a whole nother story on probably (laughs) another topic on relationships and, uh, whether you should, marry someone who has the same beliefs as you or not, or, uh, based off of, uh, like the biblical model of relationships. But, uh, anyways, um, we continued to do that. And, uh, it was more social and casual drinking that I really participated in and that we had, but, uh, you know, um, just trying to think through because part of it, you know, I've always felt like I was in control of what I was doing and how I was living um, and making my own choices. I knew I had personal beliefs, but I didn't really share them um, or do that during that time frame. And then um, after being married for like two years, go almost three years, we wound up separating through uh, some situations and infidelity between us that, was really hard to go through. And during that, I actually um, kind of went down the self-destructive path and was drinking a lot. I, I write a little bit on it on my blog, but 
you know, I got to a point where I, it wasn't just social drinking. It was drinking, you know, a bottle of scotch a day, you know, and then pre-gaming with <laughs> 12 pack of beer hanging and like not a just weekend thing, but like an everyday thing really became a, an escape and a coping mechanism for me um, for a few years. And then uh, in 2013, I moved up to Pennsylvania for work uh, and kind of got out of that environment, got a little space between me and uh, that situation and was able to uh, cut back and then became, you know, kind of just a social drinker again. Uh, and uh, then as I started to, you know, recenter my life and refocus back on on God, it was something that I really was able to uh, walk through as a, a progression. Um, I didn't just stop uh, day one from drinking, um, but I wound up seeing uh, habits and patterns and, and things in my life that led me to a decision uh, with my current wife, Teresa, uh, where we made a decision with where we were heading and where we felt God, what God had for us that um, celibacy or, you know, not drinking was going to be the right decision for us as a family and individually during that. And that was, oh, I shouldn't get this wrong, um, but 2015. <laughs> so, yeah, so I actually haven't had anything to drink since, oh, what, May of like 2015. I want to jump in here real quick, Austin, and let you know I related to your testimony in pretty big ways. Your blog, I believe it's austinpritchard.com. Austin and yeah, it's my name, Austin and Pritchard. Okay, so I was reading through your testimony earlier today, and you were hitting on the fact that this wasn't just a stop drinking uh, immediately kind of thing. But you went through a progression of, uh, you know, you were doing well, and then you would start thinking about it, um, and you'd start stop, and you kept going down this path. And actually, I was able to relate to that tremendously because I grew up in, my parents were believers and everything like that. We went to Catholic church. They were healthy drinkers. They never set a bad example for me or anything like that. Uh, but I got in this party mode in high school and ended up biting me in college when I started going through all these depressions. Um, and I would use alcohol and later on weed as my crutch. And I don't know if I ever got to the point where clinically I would be considered an alcoholic, but I was certainly pretty close. Now, as soon as something bad happened to me, I was going for shots and I was going through easily a 30 pack of Keystone Light by myself in a day and a half. And I was drinking on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. I was definitely drinking above and beyond what my college friends were. Uh, and then I graduated and kind of got into the real world. And I went down the same kind of path of, well, I'm not in college anymore. Uh, so I can casually drink with my friends every once in a while. And then I would realize, no, this is, this is not what God wants me to do. And I'd stop and I would just keep going back and forth. And even reading your testimony today just hit me even more that there are times I would try so hard to make it okay. I would make up these lies and it's just kind of hit me. I, I was never just drinking one craft beer. I had to have two because the first one gave me just enough buzz that I felt good. Uh, so then I wanted um, that second one. So I just want to let you know that your testimony kind of helped me to even just today realize uh, just things about my fumbling and my stumbling. And uh, it's just crazy how we can believe the lies of the enemy, that it's okay because we are doing so well. Um, and then we go back to this, you know, this method. Right. 
yeah, kind of that illusion of control. Well, I'm glad that hearing that that kind of resonated with you. That's why I put myself out there for people to kind of read through my story and share what I've been through. So thanks. I appreciate that. So let's jump into this conversation. Obviously, the Bible is very clear about drunkenness and how Christians are not even to get drunk. But what about drinking in moderation? Is that something that we should even be doing at all? Uh, it's really the big question. It seems like it seems like when I was growing up, there's there's something that changed. I mean, maybe it's always been this way, and I never noticed it. But when I was a kid, it seemed like a Christian drinking at all was was like a big no-no. You couldn't do it at all. And as I've gotten older, it seems like it's become more acceptable in recent years. I'm wondering where that's coming from and where that change took place. And is it really acceptable for Christians to be drinking at all? So that's that's what we're hoping to talk about today. Is it acceptable? Um, and there are some there's some verses I found that seem to indicate that drinking wine might be okay. Like in Ecclesiastes seven nine, says drink your wine with a merry heart. Uh, Psalm 104 says that God gives wine that makes glad the heart of men. And Amos 9.14 says, drinking wine from your own vineyard is a sign of God's blessing. Sir, these are all Greek words for fermented wine. So it does seem that maybe God is okay with some kind of alcohol consumption for believers. But what do you guys think? What are your thoughts on this? It's... uh. It's hard sometimes to look at things and and paint with broad strokes. Uh, a lot of times, um, there's I mean, there's some things God's very clear on, and in certain situations, but a lot of time it's very nuanced and depending on where you're at. Um, but one of the things I always do and I've learned is looking at like the first, so like the first reference of something the first time something's talked about significantly in the Bible that sets the precedence for what it is. And, you know, that first real example of what we see with drinking is with Noah <laughs> and, you know, that the shame uh, that that's brought on his family and the negative effects of wine in his life and drinking. Um, yeah. There's so much, though, that we don't know or that's like just a little blurry on like details, whether it's, you know, fermented or unfermented, whether it's uh, what percentages is it just fermented for uh, sanitation purposes. Like there are a lot of people out there, how they kept their water clean and safe to drink was through or fermenting juice. Um, so, you know, was it the same alcoholic content as what we're talking about today with what we drink? So it's a, a hard question just to like nail down and say you shouldn't drink. But um, I, the bigger question is for me, the, the why uh, behind drinking, like what's, what's your purpose in doing it? Like, am I just doing it because I can? <laughs> a lot of times that's just the argument that people have in the conversation that you hear is, well, I can, you know, and I like it. Um, but then, you know, at what point, uh, are we allowing that to influence us and to have some control on us? Um, that uh, kind of goes against, you know, the outline of scripture, what God tells us uh, in our lives. So I don't know where you guys are at with it, but I, I, and a lot of those scriptures that we read and even in the new test or old Testament, um, those 
predate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we see uh, through the death of Jesus Christ. You know, you can talk about it in John 15 and 16 on how the Holy Spirit is coming. And then we see in Ephesians 5 how that we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit of God and not be drunk with wine. Uh, like, so wine um, is actually, in a way, a um, counterfeit or alcohol from what I read is actually a, a really prominent counterfeit for the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But. Brandon and I were talking a little bit before we started recording here tonight and over the last couple of days, and just based off my own personal experience and just being really honest, a couple of months ago, I was very pro Christians can drink, you know, I'm fine with not drinking. I'm fine with saying we shouldn't drink. But I was really struggling. And if I'm honest, maybe even right now I'm struggling and saying you shouldn't do it because it's like you said, this is one of those areas where there is no black and white. You know, Jesus doesn't say in red letters, don't drink alcohol. It's not there. But what I've noticed uh, and just about this day and age and, and the culture is it's all about wine festivals and craft breweries. It's this culture where it's just what we do. It's what we do as Americans. It's what we do as people here. Uh, we go to wine festivals. We go to craft breweries and we just pass it as, hey, we're just being social and whatever. The amount of pictures that I've seen over the past couple of years of Christians at a craft brewery bar with four beers in front of them or at a wine festival you know, throughout the day. I feel like the amount of things that we see on social media, especially in this world with social media, uh, is just progressing. And it makes me sad as I learn my own issues uh, that we've gotten caught up into this culture as Christians. It's not just that we are free to do it, um, but we, you know, it's, it's not just about that freedom part. Uh, I was telling Brandon earlier, it's, it's almost like our freedom is enslaving us to an extent. It's really become sad to me. And if me as a believer, if I'm seeing these pictures on social media and if I'm seeing people out there doing this as as people who are supposed to be strong believers. And if I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, why are, why are you not doing that? Do you really need that that part of the culture in order to make friends? Do you really need that part of the culture in order to engage people with the gospel? If I'm thinking that as a believer, what are the non-believers thinking when they see these things going on? You know, they're they're either thinking that you're a hypocrite. Or they're thinking that it's okay to have both Jesus and something else. Right. I've had those. I've had people argue the other way that the, they're they're drinking as a way to bridge the gap between the other person at the bar. As if the bar doesn't serve Coke, right? Yeah. Or or water or whatever club soda. I I love club soda right now. Or like not really because it's the sugar, but like seltzer water or sparkling water. Get over soda, but. <laughs> Uh, still love the burn, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But I would, I would also pose the question. And I think you said it earlier. What, at what point are you being influenced? At what point in drinking are you being influenced? You know, you said at the, the beginning, you know, one craft beer wasn't enough because it just got you to that beginning point of feeling. Or if someone says, you know, I just have a beer or a glass of wine at the end of the day to unwind. So that, you're, you're turning to a substance for mood alteration, for influencing your life. At what point does that influence take precedence over where we ultimately should be turning to in the spirit of God? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, should we be unwinding at the end of the day with a glass of wine or a beer? Or should we be unwinding with fellowship or scripture? Yeah, and as Christians, we are called to be set apart. So if if we're just doing the same things that the world is doing, we aren't really being set apart. Which brings me to John the Baptist. I always pictured John the Baptist as a picture of how we as Christians are supposed to be. John the Baptist is the one who was here to make way for the coming of Jesus, which is exactly what we're here to do. We're made to make way for the second coming of Jesus. One of the things that was described of John the Baptist in Luke 1 15 is uh, it says he will great in the sight of the Lord shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy, Holy ghost. If John the Baptist is our example, and it says specifically that he was to abstain from wine and strong drink, what makes us any different from from him? That's that's one of my main arguments for the whole alcohol thing is as Christians, we're, we're called to be set apart. And if we're out drinking like the rest of the world, we're not setting ourselves apart. Right. Uh, well, on, on the counter side of that, and one thing that I've looked at is the, the matter of calling. So what was John the Baptist called to do? And was every, is everyone called to be John the Baptist? You know, is everyone called to be the the voice in the wilderness um, saying, you know, prepare the way of the Lord? Um, in a sense, yes. I mean, you have uh, what Second Corinthians 520, where we're all ambassadors of Christ and, you know, the reconciliation of God to man. Uh, but the actual calling and I mean, he what John the Baptist lived by the uh, Nazarite vows um, in that and part of that. So that's part of that. Why that was there. Um but even when you look at like uh, Second Timothy and the call of a deacon, and elder, and in Titus, um, they're called at at that level of service as a Christian. That's when they're called to uh, step to a higher standard. So yeah, while we do have the obligation of all Christians not to be drunks, um, you know, drinking is not spoken directly against. But yet, then when you step into the next kind of position or calling um there is some guidance on drinking but i i was thinking about it when you're saying that you know jesus uh said he wasn't going to drink wine whether it was fermented or just the grape juice you know until he returned when he left and uh we've the key scripture that we're going through right now for a sermon series is uh, john 13 15 and uh, Jesus says, I've set the example for you to live by. So do what I do. <laughs> Jesus ain't drinking right now. <laughs> and another thing we were talking about, and you just kind of hinted at, is that we're called to be set apart, right? We're not of this world. We're aliens. And alcohol is one of those topics where Christians are just up in arms over it. There are actual relationships destroyed among Christians over whether or not you should drink or not. And it blows my mind that that could even occur like okay i get it i i get that you know maybe you think beer tastes good or wine tastes good i get you have the freedom to do so i get that but if you're called to be set apart if, if you're meant to drink wine like that's cool and it's okay with god like that's cool you have all eternity to do that but if you can't even give it up for a few years on this planet as vapor like to just be set apart you know, set that aside for the good of the cause of the gospel. That's where I start to really get into it. It's not whether we can drink or not drink, 
but why are we arguing so much about it as Christians? Like, is it really that big of a deal to give it up? If it were, you know, if I were to pick a side, if we were to pick a side, is it a big deal to drink or not drink? I would think it's more important to make sure people aren't stumbling out there as we're trying to reach them uh, and are able to find their freedom in Christ. You know what I mean? So I would certainly hope that most people can agree as Christians that that's pretty important. Um, it's like a no brainer that we want people not to stumble. It's more important for people to see Jesus and be healed and become free than it is for me to worry about whether I can drink or not. It's, it's not going to kill me or ruin my life as a Christian if I had to give up wine for 50 years or 80 years. Right. Well, yeah, it's a, and usually the argument, if you come down, it's, it's a, a spiritually immature argument on whether I can or can't drink. It's like something you would have with your teenager as a parent like well why can't i do this you know what i mean like i can do this let me do it you know i have the right to be this or do this and and missing the bigger picture you know like what does it benefit you to do it just because you can doesn't mean you should um you know and people always go well you know paul told timothy that drink a little wine for his stomach well it, in context, we've come a lot further than using wine for medicine. You know, like we, you can get probiotics from the store in any store and have better uh, gut health or intestinal health than ever before um, than what they were looking at. You know, you can get Tylenol to, for pain management versus having to drink to be able to do that. We're not drinking, you know, soured wine and vinegar for pain relief, right? <laughs> I mean, if you are, that's pretty old school. And <laughs> But like, there's, so there's this argument of, I had the right to do it. And yes, you may have the right, but what do you, what do you benefit? What are you losing out on it to gain that? You know, like, what is the effect of it? Tell me what good has come from drinking in anyone's life, like anyone's story. Like, what has the benefit been in their life? Because I can, we can give laundry lists of negative. Yeah, everyone that's listening to this podcast could probably think of at least one person, if not more, that that's struggling with some kind of alcohol addiction. Yeah, I, I know a guy right now is in um, liver failure because of, a lifelong drinking of alcohol and you know just so yeah <laughs> you know his heart might be great but you know but then the same point like the amount that we drink for that or the spiritual effects so often we just look at the physical like what's the the spiritual aspect of it like we're so focused on this element of time our lifespan and what uh, i want to do and that's the other selfishness well i want to do it you know, it's it's my desire. I have a desire to do this and I like it. So therefore, I should be able to do it uh, because I have the grace to do it. But the reality is God hasn't called us to live a life of what we want to do and only what we can't and what we can do. You, you know, he's called us to live this life higher than who we are for a greater purpose than what we can do on our own. And if I'm solely just seeking my own benefit and pleasure, then what am I missing out on God to do in my life? Where am I holding back the Holy Spirit from working inside of me because of my choice to do something and not give it up, you know? 
Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a totally different outlook on the gospel. Like, okay, yeah, I can do A, B, or C, but I love you so much that I'm going to choose in my freedom not to do it for your benefit so that you can find the freedom that I have, you know? I feel like there's so much more loving and so much more Christ-centered and gospel-centered. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, one argument that, that I hear people bring up all the time is is that Jesus changed water into wine. And it, it was his first miracle, so it must be okay for me to drink. Uh, if Jesus gave all those people all this alcohol, then why can't I drink it? So, I'm looking into the scripture, and I'm looking up the Greek words. Uh, the Greek words they use for wine in this scripture is really unclear on whether it was fermented or unfermented wine. Uh, but what makes me believe that it wasn't is because the guests of the wedding said that usually the best wine is served first. And back in that day, the best wine was considered to be what was just taken from the grape. It was like fresh Welch's grape juice. It was it was a, like a sweet grape juice. Uh, so this this isn't even a valid argument. Now you can't even look like if you just look at the nature of who God is. I've actually been I haven't fully put it together. I, I over research stuff, but on looking at alcohol, I'm I'm working on writing on something on the two communions. So on our communion and how we take communion with God. And then how the world is actually participating in communion. And the biggest expression of that is through alcohol and through the bar. Like that is the gathering place for it. But I, I kind of open up and say uh, this on that miracle that the first miracle ever recorded of Jesus was him at a wedding celebrating. And in response to his mother's request, first off, like he was being obedient to his mother, even though he didn't want to, it was before his time. Um, he turned water into wine, and uh, and it's a link on the two types of wine that are common in biblical times. Uh, but you see that the host of the party commented on the wine. It was distinctly different, and there had been wine served for uh, an excessive period of time. Like these parties actually lasted for like seven days, like the length of an average like marriage party was that long. So they had been drinking for like seven days, <laughs> right? They had been on this huge uh, bender or whatever you want to say. Uh, and yet they were able to notice that it was different. Um, there had been, you know, wide, and yet Jesus had to offer to those was so contrary to what they had been partaking that it caused and elicited a response. And every response is action. So would Jesus have offered it was so different from what the world had to offer from what they had been used to that they couldn't go without noticing what Jesus had to offer in that moment. Like they were seven days drunk and noticed how different what he gave them was. Um, now, do you believe that was alcoholic wine and, you know, we can't prove or disprove what it was. Like if that's the question you want to ask Jesus, when you get to heaven, uh, you can knock yourself out. Uh, you know, <laughs> But the reality is like it was so different from what they had experienced and what they had been drinking um, that it caused a response. Like the reality is when you drink, you notice less and less the difference of what you're drinking. Like you start with Patron and end with Jose Cuervo. Like it's not a <laughs> like you don't start with the worm. You end with it because 
you're so desensitized and numb. So the argument of, well, Jesus just gave them top shelf liquor wine is ridiculous. Something that we didn't hit on a whole lot, but you had mentioned, I think you said it was from Ephesians, that we were supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit instead of drunk on wine. Something I shared with Brandon recently, a couple of months ago, him and I were asked to go to a couple's house where they were pretty sure there was some sort of possession uh, was going on. And we totally believe the story, uh, definitely believe something was going on there. And God was gracious. He showed up and we didn't have to actually deal with the manif uh, manifestation there. But it was my first time in one of these encounters. So I remember the whole way there that day and, and even days before that I was just praying for wisdom. I was praying for power. I was praying for whatever. Like We should show up and we just felt the Holy Spirit with us. We were able to preach the gospel to this couple. We were able to just serve this couple, to help this couple, pray with them. We heard their story. We heard their pain, all this cool stuff. And then we get home, and you know, like I said, I, I was cool with not drinking, whatever. But that experience solidified it, and and was actually from that experience that I haven't drank since then, um, was how much I had to pray in that kind of experience that the Holy Spirit would make me alive, uh, that He would be manifest in me, um, that when I was there in the presence of evil, that nothing but light and love and Jesus would be there. And it made me realize that if I'm out with a friend and I was at a bar and I had even one beer, just one beer, that's a legal limit, I can still drive whatever. But if I had just one beer in me and I was even slightly out of tune with the Holy Spirit and I get a phone call that I needed to go pray over a life or death situation or a, you know, a demonic situation... I can't imagine going up to a house like that in that kind of situation and having a beer in my system. That, that situation shook me to the core as to how important it is to be drunk on the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, I was like, dude, I don't, I don't need it. It's not even worth the risk. Uh, and, then, you know, if you if you dive into the research, there's if we believe the Bible, then we believe that there are spirits at work in the earth, both, you know, godly and and demonic and um if you look at uh history you can see that there's actually a spirit attached to alcohol uh roman greek and italians all worshipped a god uh i'll probably butcher the name but it's uh bacchus it's b-a-c-c-h-u-s and like they actually worshipped this god and and it's a spirit that's attached to alcohol and and so you see the effects of it like you're saying like so if i at what point am i engaging with a spirit and opening myself up to that influence in my life right yeah yeah uh, I, I really only have uh, one final argument on this topic here and, and that's from romans 14 uh when Paul is giving this warning of making sure that in anything that we do, we have to make sure that there's no doubt that we can do it in faith. Because if there is something that we're doing that we have any doubts on that can be done in faith, it, it actually makes it sinful. And so this question of Christians drinking alcohol just seems to bring a lot of doubt into the minds and the spirits and the hearts of Christians. And because of that, that doubt. I'm wondering if drinking alcohol is sinful for Christians because it, it does bring that doubt within them. 
And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys have an opinion on that. Um, what do you think? Right. Well, there's, I, I don't personally disagree, but on the other side, you know, um, Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out. And so, you know, what is coming out of what I do, if you're able to, you know, have a glass of wine with your dinner and, you know, still feel like you're producing a God honoring Christian productive life, uh, then that's great for you. You know what I mean? That's the road that you're going down. But the reality is that that's not the road most people will go down. You know, and is that the road that your kids will go down? And, you know, this podcast, people will probably listen to it and a lot of people will be upset or, uh, you know, like mad because of the reality of what we're talking about. But yes, you could drink or you could do that. But, you know, you mentioned Romans 14 and in verse 22, it says the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. So you have to determine what is right between you and God. Like I can't judge you on whether or not uh, what you're doing is sin ultimately in your life. Um, Now we have the guidelines of scripture and we are supposed to hold each other accountable to the word of God. But ultimately you are responsible for your life and your sin or your obedience But then, you know, Paul's amazing at these, like, backhanded comments on the ends of things. He's like, do whatever you want, and that's between you and God. But just know it's better to choose stuff that's not going to condemn you in the end. Like, you can do that, but it may not work out well for you. So, you know, like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And what's it going to produce? Are you? What's the price that you're paying to do it? You are free to pet the poisonous snake. (laughs) <laughs> right I think that's I think a good way to end the episode for sure uh, this is a topic where you know, this is not a salvation issue in the sense that if, if you are a Christian and you believe that you're free to drink you're not going to go to hell for having a beer or whatever I, I think that's very important to say in this episode uh, with all of our topics the point of this podcast the point of these topics is we totally understand that if there is a Christian listening to this we are not going to with our mere words, convince them to change their mind. Um, What we want to do is to have people come to the word of God and to stop basing their beliefs uh, on their, in their opinions based on their experience and their emotions. But what does Jesus have to say about this? What does the word of God have to say about this? And so really our hope and prayer for this episode isn't necessarily to change people's minds, but whatever road you are on right now, whatever side of this discussion you're on right now, is it biblical? Are you coming to the scripture and using wisdom in your decision making process so that God is glorified and the gospel is proclaimed? Yeah, very good. I mean, you can look at that and biblically what Proverbs says, wine's a mocker and strong drink is makes a fool out of men. So, yeah, I think that was a, a good discussion, a, a good place to end. Um, Austin, we, we appreciate you taking the time to join our discussion today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys. Keep doing it. And you can check out Austin's website at austinandpritchard.com. Is that correct? Yep, that's it. All right. We'll catch you next time on In Dispute Podcast. Thanks for listening to In Dispute Podcast. 
We hope today's conversation has stirred you to seek biblical truth. If you'd like to contact us with questions, comments, or suggest topics, you can find us on Twitter at Dispute Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash indisputepodcast. Tune in next week for another topic in dispute.